Monsters, we're here for you guys tonight. Our final podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is not spoiler time for once podcast. No, it's not. I'm Hunter Hathaway. I'm Jacqueline. And I hope you guys know who we are by now. <laughs> I would hope so. Hopefully you've been listening to our lovely voices for quite a while now. And yeah, there are no spoilers ever again. No, but I do want to put a big apology out because a script tease came out <laughs> after we recorded our yeah. last spoiler podcast. We were so disappointed when we saw that Adam tweeted one out after we had already recorded and sent our recordings to our wonderful editor. Um, we were so upset because we really wanted one more. It would have been so nice. <sighs> Alas. Alas, we do not have one, but tonight's episode is going to be so different than anything you've heard from me and Jacqueline together. Yep. So we are going to just talk about the season finale, or I say season finale like we're getting more, (laughs) the series finale of Once Upon a Time that happened just almost a week ago. Yeah, it's been a week almost now, and... Everybody's had a chance to, you know, watch it, digest it, talk about it, think about it. Rewatch it. it. Rewatch it. Rewatch it again because you have a two-year-old running around. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we really wanted to get a chance to talk to you guys about what we thought about the episode Leaving Storybrooke. Also, our thoughts just on the series as a whole now that it's officially wrapped and we've seen every single episode. Aaron and Jeremy... And maybe uh, a couple of the other ones, maybe me, maybe Hunter, if she's got time, we might be popping into the final, final, final podcast um, next week when the whole gang, some of us, will be around to discuss it. But Hunter and I, as people who you know have been giving you guys spoilers for years, wanted to be able to come together, just the two of us, and talk about this series finale. Yeah, exactly. So... On a scale of, I guess, 1 to 10, 10 being, oh my god, best episode ever, what did you think of it? See, that's hard for me to say. Okay. I think it's going to sound kind of low, but I'm going to say a 6 or a 7. Oh, wow, really? But that doesn't mean I liked it. I didn't like it. Like, there are some things I liked and I loved. Like, if you look at my notes that I have here, I have one, two, three, four, five hearts, and it says, love, one, two three, four times. Okay. So it's not that I hated the episode, but I don't think it was the best episode ever. I don't think it was the worst episode ever, but it's better than an average episode. So that's why I'm going to go, I'll go six and a half, seven. Okay. I think that's fair. I kind of agree. So I've had a week to think about the episode as a whole. And if you're at the forums and you read my initial reaction post, you know, I, I think I gave it a nine and I was kind of gushing about just all the the feelings that I had about this this final episode. I've had a, a week to step back to think and I've come to the decision that when it's about the plot of this episode, mm-hmm. the actual what is happening stuff, it's all nonsense. It's um, I, it is it's you know, it's the typical once upon a time. Let's throw spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks and whatever <laughs> sticks. That's our plot. Yeah. And and that part that part isn't great. Um it's typical and I've become used to it over the years, but it's not great. The emotional stuff and particularly the endings for two characters that we have watched since the very first moment of this show 
just, I mean, that stuff to me was hit out of the park. I loved Regina and Rumpel's ending. I did too. I thought it was so sweet. Yeah. And I really like the line, the darkness can always find the light. Yes. That's one of my hearts. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think if I had to grade it, I'm going to downgrade my nine that I originally gave it just a little bit. And I think I'm going to go with about an eight. There's a lot of nostalgia. There's a lot of complicated feelings wrapped up in this series finale. And I think I liked more of it that I dislike so long as I don't try to wrap my head around the plot. Okay. So if you're not thinking of the plot, yeah, I would give it a higher, me personally too, I would give it a higher mark, but there was a lot of things I absolutely loved and a lot of things that they pulled in and some of the things that I loved, I also did not like. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm going to just start it off because I think, do you have a lot of bullet points or just a couple Yeah, probably quite about as many as you do. (laughs) Okay, so I'm just going to start with the episode, and we can just work our way through it. How does that sound? Sure. Okay, so in the beginning, I loved hearing Whistle While You Work. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited. I'm like, yes, I personally, I love the Seven Dwarfs. So there were three of them were starting there, were whistling, and I'm really loving this. And I was really hoping that the rest of them would all come from the sides, like leaving, not like if they all live individually, like they all live on the same street, they're all coming out and they're meeting and walking to work. And that did not happen. Where are the other four dwarfs? I think that's a really good question. I mean, yeah, you want to see the seven dwarfs because it's the seven dwarfs. I kind of wonder about actor availability slash budget for extras. I don't care about that. This is a series finale. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) They need to pull the punches and just pay for it. They made enough money off this show. They can afford four more dwarves. I will say, (laughs) going with that scene, how great was it to just see Storybrooke? It felt so great. It It really was. The fact that the opening shot was the clock tower and that... It was on 815, which is, you know, a number that's been around the show that was carried over from Lost. You know, that's that's just so great. It was yeah. really great to see that. You know, Hyperion Heights for me never really felt like a real place. It never really felt lived in like we knew the city because it, it was really just this suburb of Seattle. But it didn't it didn't have that quaint nostalgia of Storybrooke. Yeah, and I think also because in the city, they were in a city, so you know it had to have been around, and that it was more than just an isolated place. Yeah. That you're just going to be meeting characters, and you're trying to figure out who everyone is. I remember that first season where they kept, like, little things, and you would figure out, oh, that's Gus Gus. I mean, come on. Yeah. Gus Gus. And, like, you don't have that in, in Hyperion Heights because in Seattle... Everyone was new, and you never knew if they were going to be a fairy tale character or not. And right. For, and more times than not, they were not fairy tale characters. Yeah. So it was great to open Inside Storybrooke. And I'm glad that the final shots, jumping ahead, you know, obviously quite a bit, that the final shots of the entire show were these beautiful camera pans down yes. the streets of Storybrooke. Because as much as we love the characters and we've always loved the characters, you know, and there's something very real and tangible that we can hold on to that small quaint town has been as much of a character in once upon a time as Emma or Regina. 
and, you know, opening up in the city that, that this little town that we all loved and seeing familiar shots. It just, it was great. It was a nice homecoming. And I'm going to throw out one of my favorite moments, which was Granny and her crossbow. Oh my gosh, that is my next one. Love <laughs> Granny with the crossbow. Exact <laughs> wording that I wrote. Like, I love that she's just carrying it around. <laughs> and well, I love the fact that they're like, oh, we know this story. Right. Intruders. We've been through this before. Boom. <laughs> how very, you know, how very once upon a time to have Leroy give some sort of big shout and, you know, causing panic and alarm. It wasn't, it's here, but... I loved the intruders. I love that Granny had her crossbow. I love uh-huh. that Robin and Alice had to go running for the hills. That was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was a very, very good sort of pitch perfect opening scene. Yes. So I think I'm going to bring up a point that I didn't necessarily like. And so we've moved to the wish realm where mm-hmm. the majority of this plot happens. And we know that in the previous episode, Homecoming, uh, Wish Henry wrote this like guardian out of existence and everything that he did. One thing we hear in the series finale is that everything that happened somehow made Rumpel mortal. Yeah. And this is one of the most frustrating things about once over the course of all seven years. This isn't just in this seventh season is their very heavy reliance on the magical MacGuffin to solve a problem Instantly, without any logic, without any kind of foreshadowing, anything. And, I mean, I had to chuckle because it's like, oh, well, one last magical MacGuffin to solve a problem. (laughs) But we've watched Rumpel this year in particular really struggle with the idea of being immortal. And for him to have to face those consequences of what that really means. And, you know, he even kept his immortality to prevent Alice from having to be the next victim of of this sort of this curse mm-hmm. and the fact that it was just hand waved away in an instant with this throwaway line i roll i had to eye roll it's a season seven thing you know they just do what they want well yeah i mean they gotta make it work i know i know i know but it's just like oh we need him to be mortal let's just say there is no guardian he's mortal that should i think it should be a lot more intense than that but that's just me Right, because, I mean, are we assuming then that there is there hasn't been a guardian for the entire span of the Dark One history? You know, this is sort of the broader critique of Once Upon a Time, which is that the world building on the show has never really been up to snuff, that they mm-hmm. play very fast and loose with their own rules based on what they need their season to do by the end. So, you know, this entire time, Rumpelstiltskin is the immortal dark one and the only thing that can take that away we are told is if he is killed with the dagger or true love's kiss and for whatever reason they never had bell break his spell you know i thought i thought if i i correct me if i'm wrong because you are higher the nerd (laughs) um i thought you couldn't break the spell with true love's kiss well, it started to back in the episode Skin Deep. His his curse was lifting. You know, we saw the crocodile skin start to fade away. And then because he rejected it so hard because of this, you know, this self-loathing that Rumpel has that, you know, no one can ever love me. Um, he He stopped it sort of from taking full effect. But, I mean, I guess if we're 
if we're going with what is the more powerful image um, to really hit in the nostalgia feels, you know, is it Rumple saying, oh, by the way, my mortality is broken, or is it somehow getting true love's kiss and, and no longer being the dark one? And I don't know how they would have done that because, of course, Belle is dead. Right. But the just this idea that they casually throw out the mortal, immortality of Rumple with a hand wave, it bothered me because it felt cheap in a way. It, I mean, it wasn't even a reward for the fact that he was trying to help his family. I mean, they could have said something like that, that right. the cosmos and in their infinite wisdom decided to make him mortal because he was doing good deeds finally and and they didn't it was just this hand wave away which yeah that bothered me okay yeah i can see it so let's move on the next scene is regina and robin oh yeah this this was a beautiful scene it was wonderful and i miss robin i miss that character so much i'm really glad that it was Robin Robin, our Robin, and not yes. Wish Realm Robin, which a lot of people had speculated was how Sean McGuire was going to come back into this. Um, that would have that would have paled highly in comparison to the scene that we got of Regina, you know, dreaming about Robin. Yeah, no, I loved this scene. And it was a great send-off for their love story. It was. You know, as someone who never fully shipped Outlaw Queen, who you know, approved of it, but never really got into it. Um, you know, I really felt the emotion and all the feels that came with that scene. It was it was beautiful. And I think so much of Once Upon a Time has been Regina's story. You know, everyone says it's Emma's, but I also think it's a lot of Regina's story, too. Yes, and yes. A lot of the things Robin was saying to her are things that the story, the you know, all seven seasons have been trying to say about Regina as well, you know, that she was betwixt and between this this hero and this villain category and that she's done so much good and come from these terrible things that she's done that she has, you know, sort of vaulted herself up to the idea that, yes, she can be a hero and she can save people and, you know, that he'll always love her for it. Yeah. And they brought back the feather, which I thought was a oh, so cute. A nice and I love touch. how she woke up from her dream and it was in her hand. Yeah, Ugh, breaks my heart. Yeah, that was there was definitely some tears shed in that moment. Okay, so now we're in the scene. The next scene is when, um, well, I loved how Rumple was saying to Nook that like you were the closest thing to a friend I've ever had. Da da da. That was fine. I yes. really I like that. But they had to throw in Maui's hook. Because they had to get that one last Disney princess that is brand new into the show. Because really, really, I mean, really, really, this cute, wonderful moment between Robin and Regina and then Maui's hook. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, you're, you're welcome. I also rolled my eyes pretty hard at that for the same reason that I rolled my eyes at rumple's magic hand wave of, of his immortality because of course once again it's a magical MacGuffin that kind of comes out of nowhere <laughs> and solves a problem without any logic i i guess at least we had seen the hook earlier this season <laughs> so it didn't uh, you know just appear out of nowhere we weren't like wait what is this object i saw it and i was like oh but well, how that's... did it appear in there and not well, like they only had one magic being to get to this realm i yeah, <laughs> I this is how it plays out in my head. And 
I have to make these huge leaps in logic sometimes with once. <laughs> but what I think happened is that Alice and Robin maybe went to Tiny and got a bean because, of course, they went to the Wish Realm and then Alice, using her powers of imagination, conjured up Maui's hook inside the globe <laughs> right at the exact moment when it was needed. You thought way too much about that. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have to, but I did. <laughs> But no, I agree. It was a total moment of we need to get our heroes out of this predicament they're in. Oh, hey, we had this random hook from back earlier in the season from the episode um, Nightfall. So we'll throw that in there. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's move on. I can complain about things for a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, the dream catcher. Yeah, that was cute. Was I don't cute. know how much to say, except it was cute. I am going to do part of my fandom proud right now, and I'm going to do a little bit of complaining about the Dreamcatcher and a little bit about something that needed to be addressed at some point in this season and never was. And I'm going to use the Dreamcatcher to do it. So we've seen a lot of Dreamcatchers in Once Upon a Time. Uh, Dreamcatchers are very much linked to the story of Emma and Neil. And... Neil has kind of always been the elephant in the room uh, for ever since they killed him. And one thing that has constantly bothered me in season seven is that Rumpel constantly talks about getting back to Belle, that he, he wants to lose his immortality so that he can die of old age and be with his wife. Beautiful. Hey, I'm a Rumbell shipper. I support it. Go Rumbell. The thing is... Neil needed to be in that conversation. He needed to be a part of what Rumple is trying to get back to because okay. never, ever forget that before Skin Deep and before we, you know, all went crazy over Rumbell, those of us that did, you had the episode Desperate Souls, which is so foundational to this show about how Rumple's true story is for a father searching for his child. And it's always been in the back of my mind this entire season that Rumple needed to say Belle and Bay. Oh, okay. I and see. so kind of bringing out this dream catcher, something that is so linked to Neil and also to Swanfire, but, you know, really to Neil, who kept a dream catcher in Manhattan the entire time that he was separated from everyone. And to not have Rumple acknowledge that, yes, he is also trying to get back to the son that he lost so many times. To me, again, it's that elephant in the room where I'm going, just just have him add one more noun there, guys. Just say Bell and Bay, and I'll support it. Because I kind of had to side-eye a bit. Okay. Is that it on the Dreamcatcher? That is it on the Dreamcatcher. <laughs> okay. Because we're moving on to my favorite, one of my favorite scenes from this episode. Oh, okay. Robin and Nook in the woods. Oh, yeah. This was sweet. This was so sweet because it, like... She's asking for permission to marry Alice yeah. and his response and calling her his daughter-in-law. And I was just a proud person. I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect because we love Alice and Robin together. And it just, it put, it put a little heart over it. Yeah. Alice and Robin are probably going to go down as one of my very favorite things about season seven. So, I adored yeah. them. And 
as much criticism as came out about the episode Ruby Slippers and how very rushed and disingenuous the relationship between Dorothy and Red was, you know, when I think of LBGTQ romances and once, I'm not even going to think about them anymore because that was poorly done. Alice and Robin are how you do it right. Yes. And I loved them. 100% shippable. I loved both characters. I supported them together. And I was so glad that this asking for marriage, it felt natural. It felt real. Yes. Yes. And it wasn't even a, a, a moment of, oh, hey, it's two women. No, it just, it felt like as it should, just something that's natural. Like, I love her. I would yes. like to marry her. Do you give me permission? Yeah, it was, oh, it was so great. And then I also love... I've got little chills going on right now. Yeah. I love that Robin also supported Nook and said, and you know, you're going to be at that wedding. Uh-huh. Like, she she wants him there. She wants him to be part of this big family that they're about to create. Yeah. We're now sitting down at the war table. Okay, so... The, the brief scene before then, when the, the knights come in, um, and you have Snow and Charming take off their helmets and say, your grandparents, I think that was my first big cry of the night. Oh, really? See, I liked it, but I didn't like, I don't know. I don't know if it was the tone that Snow used saying, your grandparents. I'm like, I don't know. It just, something was off to me on that part. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I was very happy to see them. Don't get me wrong. I love... Snow and Charming, they've been one of my favorite characters since the beginning because you're oh, you're fighting for them. Mm-hmm. But there was just something on the way she said your grandparents said. I'm like, I don't know. That just sounded weird to me. <laughs> I think it was – I mean, it's not like it's a great scene or anything. I mean, Snow and Charming have obviously had better individual scenes. But I think for me it was them taking off their helmets and just seeing them after – 21 episodes of being completely devoid of Snow and Charming. Yeah. It was just like, there they are. Yeah. And, I mean, we knew it was them because we had tons of of spoilers about that. Right. It was like, oh, yes, I have missed you guys (laughs) so much. But while that scene was small, I loved at the war table, I loved Charming's speech. Mm -hmm. Talking about how we've got new a new generation old friend or new friends that feel like old friends like just combining them all i really loved his speech i really loved charming's i cringed a lot during snows yes 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 (laughs) um yeah charming's was great charming's felt a little more natural and it also tied together really the entire series with you know the the friend who is old you know new but feels old with nook and this new generation of people coming in which is very much what season seven was, was learning new friends and how they connect to the old and then having this younger generation sort of pop up with Henry and Alice and, and Robin and seeing what they could do. Um, I thought Charmings was great. Snow's speech. I, I, I just, no, 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 no. Snow's speech is so incredibly Snow White. <laughs> But at the same time, it's one of those cringeworthy speeches where you're like, okay, pull off that <laughs> throttle, sweetheart. We know. Hope, belief, family. Preach. We get it. You've said it a million times. Let's not beat this over the head too much. Yeah. Um, but, hey, how great was it to see them all just sitting around the table? That was awesome. Yeah. That was really awesome. And But speaking of 
everybody around the table. I think we have to address the, uh, let's say, red leather coated elephant in the room, which is <laughs> the fact that Emma's not there. And we got a time travel kind of explanation, which is another one of my Pet dislikes. Uses. Yeah. I mean, I've been complaining about the timeline for season seven. Oh, we're All not year. done yet. I have more timeline stuff yeah. towards the end of this episode that we will need to talk about because I'm trying to still figure this out. Yeah. And I um, have watched the episode three times now. I guess Emma is on a road trip with Henry, young Henry, right after graduation. And that's why and she's Regina. not in. And Regina. And that's why she's not in Storybrooke and therefore couldn't go to the Wish Realm. Which, okay, they explained it, but it was also like, Oh, she should still be there, but... I think they also did to cut down on special effects budget to get two Reginas. Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, Jennifer Morrison was pretty upfront that she was only able to come back for a day. So they had to use her very strategically, which means just the final scene. But you could still feel Emma's lack of presence in that scene. She should have mm-hmm. been there. I wish she had, even if... You know, like maybe they could have persuaded Jen to, hey, can you please come and stay a little bit longer? Or extended the one shoot day and do that first. Then, Yeah. Yeah. But it was great to see everybody sitting around a table. Yeah. Uh, Move to the room with all the books. One of my favorite lines is Nook saying to Alice that he would never let go. Oh. Even though his heart is glowing green from all of the poison and oh i love that like i said if you can't tell people i love the alice (laughs) storyline yeah same you know i've never been a hook fan i think people who have listened to me or read stuff at the forums know this um one of the biggest surprises of season seven is how actively i am rooting for nook (laughs) um I wanted him and Alice to be reunited. I wanted him to be cured so that the father and the daughter could come back together. And, you know, round of applause for Colin. He's always done a great job, even if I absolutely despised his character for, you know, six years. (laughs) Um, He's always done such a great job. And he did a really nice job differentiating Hook and Nook. Yes. And I I just adore him acting in a scene with Rose Reynolds as Alice. They were just top-notch great. Yes. So what I want to do is, because we are talking about them right now, I'm just going to skip this little in-between scene. We'll come back to it because I do have problems with it. Um, but the whole part with where Nook fi- Hart finally gives out. Oh, yeah. Because... That was so sad. I, you knew it was going to happen. You, I yep. had a feeling it was going to happen. But the way he rumpled and he did his storyline and he pulled out his own heart and it turned back red, went back into Nook. It was so sweet. Yeah. So if you, you follow were crying, me, I know you yeah. were. If you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> um, you may have seen me tweet out at that exact moment while I'm drowning in my own tears. And I, I mean, saw it on our messaging. Yeah. Our messenger. And a lot of people <laughs> tweeted right back at me and said, yeah, we kind of wondered if you were a wreck. I was like, yeah, this, is, <laughs> this, this isn't good right now. Um, I, I loved it. 
I loved it so much. I loved that in that scene, since we're since we're talking about it all together, mm-hmm. um, right before, you know, Rumple goes over and takes out his own heart, you have Nook sort of moving down the table to hold on to Alice as she's being almost sucked into a portal. Because instantly, instantly you get the Rumple and Balefire flashback. Yep. And the fact that, you know, they didn't necessarily show it, but I like to think that Rumpel saw that and in his mind said, no, I can't let this happen because I know what that feels like. I know what that is. And, you know, this idea that that image, that image of Bay over the portal and Rumpel letting go still haunts him and that that what spurs him forward just ugh, destroyed me. I was a mess, guys. I was a mess. I cried for a very long time. Um. As a Rumpel fan, as someone who, you know, has been Rumpel's girl for seven years, I, I've i never I – I cannot say that I'm fully satisfied with his story because they tossed him around so much and had him do things that I, you know, can't really support and don't think are good. But in these last few moments when he pulls out his heart and it goes to red and he realizes that you do the right thing not for a reward – but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was like, yes, finally you get it. And his final moments just, they were beautiful and props, all of them to Bobby Carlisle. Always. He has delivered one of my very favorite performances on TV for seven years. Even if I didn't like the storyline or I, I didn't like what once was doing, Bobby always had me. And, you know, he's just so amazing. And he finally got his happily ever after. Oh, God. It was so <laughs> sad. I, and, like, it was so They're together blood. forever. And I haven't, um, I have next to it the dress. It was the whole ballroom scene type dress. And, oh. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. And... I loved the moment between Regina and Rumple, you know, as she's saying, go find your happy ending. And, you know, thanks for one final lesson. Because, I mean, that felt right that it was her that was saying this at, because they've always had this mentor, mentee, pseudo father, pseudo daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. And yep. it was great that it was her there holding him saying, you've done well, go, go get her. And then, that final moment with Belle and Rumple, oh, again, with the tears, with the drowning <laughs> in my own tears. Um, yeah, yeah, that was gorgeous. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go back just a little bit, and I've got a problem. Okay. So we're talking about the scene with Regina, Regina, okay, Regina, you can see where I'm talking tonight, and Wish Henry fighting. Okay. I love Regina. Don't get me wrong. I think she's an amazing character, amazing actress, all that stuff. I did not like Wish Henry in this scene. I wanted to punch this kid. Yeah. And he changed too fast. It was like, she was like, I will love you no matter what. And I get that. That's awesome. I think that's amazing. But you can't go from wanting to completely hate someone to dissolving any and all everything and wiping the bad magic away in a flash like that. Not when you have that much anger towards somebody. That's true. And, you know, use Regina as a template. Even after she stopped 
actively trying to kill Snow White in Storybrooke, she still had a lot of anger and resentment towards Snow for a very long time. Think of about how much joy she took in knowing that Snow had a dark spot on her heart after Cora died. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree. Props to – I keep saying that tonight. Props to all the actors, yes. But, you know, sh- shout out now to uh, Jared Gilmore who – was tasked to play the same character he's always played, but an evil version of that. Right. No, and I get that. I think he did a great job. I just didn't like the story right here. I just was like, you can't... We spend seven years, Regina, trying to come back from who she used to be. Yeah. She's finally there, and it takes Henry a second. Right. And I mean, this is a Henry who watched a Regina kill his grandparents, and then effectively steal his mother. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely too fast. And it's one of those problems where you kind of think maybe the finale should have been two hours long. Okay. Um, You I- know, to, to have a two-hour episode 22, just so that you could take more time with some of these scenes that we are complaining out because of fast character development or because they had to throw in a magical MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. Okay, let's talk about the joining of the realms. (laughs) Okay. I'm okay with that. Okay, so I am okay with it. All I think is Shrek. Oh, sure. Do you remember how Shrek had every different land? Yeah. I mean, they they, they created Disneyland, guys. Yeah. Because that is the final corporate synergy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No. I'm okay with that. I really was okay with that. I didn't agree completely. And the Gersh, I get okay. I get that. So, yeah, I'm okay with it from a meta perspective in that that feels very, very fitting to Once Upon a Time in general, that all the storybook characters you've ever loved reside in one place. And they're there for you to visit whenever you want, you know, through rewatching the series on DVD or through fan fiction or whatever. It it's incredibly meta, and I I really like it in that sense. I thought it was beautiful. This idea that Regina is going to unite all the realms when the entire series starts off with her separating all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have problems from a world building perspective <laughs> because first off, did anybody like go to Arendelle and talk to Elsa and be like, oh hey, by the way, we're gonna move your kingdom to america um i mean how did that work did they consult with the rest of the realms did they just poof them to storybrook and then ask for forgiveness later um it's one of those logistical things like the peasants will nobody think of the peasants (laughs) (laughs) like one day you're out in a farm and you're hoeing your land or something and the next thing you know, you're in Storybrook, USA, and you have no modern day marketable skills. <laughs> you don't know what a toilet is, <laughs> but now you're expected to live here forever. So I didn't meta- know that, that it was this much free acreage in Maine. Right. <laughs> this is supposed to be an incredibly tiny little hamlet, and they crammed every single realm we have ever been to inside of it. <laughs> Like castles and everything. So if you're driving down the road, I mean, do you see like a castle spire poking out of something like the trees? And you're like, what is that? 
Is it is it like Disney World when you drive, you know, you're coming up and you see the you see the castle, you see the spires and you're like, "Oh yeah, there's the castle." I don't know. <laughs> but like I said, from a meta perspective, yeah, that was spot on. I I get what Adam and Eddie were doing, but again, side eye at the world building. Because now Timeline confusion. Oh, Timeline confusion. So before she casts this car, she says, everyone has to go home. I get that because there are so many millions of timelines going on right now. But what is home? Enchanted Forest 2.0 or Hyperion Heights? Because that would mess me up again. Because if they go back to Hyperion Heights, then they're in the past, which means Henry never got to go to the Enchanted Forest to meet. It's the meet Cinderella and have Lucy and then have to curse, then you're in a timeline loop. They are in a timeline loop. And I think what they're trying to imply is that Regina ends the loop, but... But what at what but time? when? And I think this is where... Yeah, this is complicated because it's sometime later... <laughs> because we because had to have also one more you of those. have to see Zelina is there. And yeah. I know Zelina in Hyperion Heights time fell in love and was like, I'm going back to him and we're getting married, yada, yada, right. yada. So, so I, I think we end Zelina up with, is this? I think we end up with two Zelinas. I think we have a Zelina who's living in... Yes, but is that the past or is that the present? Oh, I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. Like... I was watching this so confused with this damn timeline. I need Adam and Eddie to draw it for me. I guess the Zelina in Storybrooke at the end is past Zelina. And I'm guessing that there's now like two of everybody. So there's a Zelina who's living we with are Chad. Both. We are both. There's a <laughs> Zelina who's living with Chad. There's a Robin who is. 20 something and getting married to Alice, but there's also a Robin who was a four year old. Right? Like, in that's the what car. I'm saying. If they went back to Enchanted Forest 2.0, they would have gone back to their original timeline. Yeah. Because if you also remember, to jumping ahead, Emma's there with the, the baby who was in the Enchanted Forest 2.0 timeline. Because yeah. she found out she was pregnant then, before the curse that sent them all back in time. Right. Timeline confusion. Yeah. So it's only been, I guess, 11-ish months if we if we make the baby about two months old. But it said sometime later. Yeah. Or what, I don't remember the exact thing, but a few years later it said. Yeah. So, like I said, this is all confusing me. The timeline, when thinking about it, deserves the shrug emoji at this point because nobody knows nobody understands it and adam can keep insisting on twitter that it's been meticulously maintained and that you have to watch the episodes in order to understand let me see that line please yeah and i say to that adam i understand you don't want to have to explain it but the point is you can't explain it and i would i would like you to just say we gave up on the timeline just accept that it doesn't make sense. I Honestly, just come out and say it. Just say, yeah, the timeline's a mess, but it doesn't matter because we were going with feeling over logic. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. The timeline, we have a thread at the forums right now where people are actually trying to suss out what it all is, and it's like, we could bend this eight different ways to Sunday, and it still will never make sense. But I am happy that they tied up one person's story. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> 
we found out who Lily's father is. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> I don't like the answer. I think the answer is ridiculous. But they tied up Lily's story, and I am so happy for that. So when that line dropped, I instantly thought of you, and I thought of us, and having to do every single hot seat ever, in which somebody invariably asks, are we going to find out who Lily's father is this year? And the answer was always, can't say, not this year. No. And then they snuck it in there at the last second, just so they can say, hey, you can't ask us that anymore. I, Zoro, really? Really? He's how, a dragon. How did Zoro turn into a dragon to have the dragon sex? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is it like a werewolf where you get bit uh, by one and you turn into one? Well, I mean, it was one of the ultimate passive aggressive writing tactics I've ever <laughs> seen because they, they obviously wrote that line in there just to like, thumb their nose at the audience and be like ha ha we answered it but <laughs> what a cop out <laughs> but at the same time applause to the writers for being that gutsy <laughs> yes <laughs> nonsense absolute nonsense <laughs> okay let's talk about this coronation yeah so okay this may be the last time i'm ever going to bring up world building but <laughs> How exactly do you plan a secret vote and a coronation without the mayor of Storybrooke figuring it out? I don't know. Maybe she's not mayor anymore. <laughs> I mean, they had this whole secret election. Everybody and Regina never once got wind. Was it them just going to castle to castle, right. land to land, saying, do you want to vote Regina to be the the queen of like all of us i can see snow white like passing out leaflets that say vote <laughs> regina did you notice though that little uh wish henry was a sheriff yes yes he that had the badge cute. that was cute i like that but the actual coronation and what it meant very very nicely done very good i yeah. did like that i liked it a lot i thought it was a really really good end to regina's overall story to go from the evil queen to the queen to the good queen. Yes. I thought that was really well done. It tracked nicely with what we've seen from her. I love that it was Snow and Charming who sort of presented this this crown to her and, and crowned her after all the misery and the heartache that those three have endured together because of each other. That was really, really nice. So now I have a question. So is Snow and Charming going to remain king and queen of their land? And then Regina's just <laughs> in charge of everyone? She's like she's like the president and they're like the governors. That's kind of what I was thinking. Okay. Like, I thought so too. Yeah. But I'm like, I was getting confused. I'm like, but they are, like, how can you make Regina the queen of everyone? Like, they're king and queen right now. Right. I and don't you, know. And you have like Elsa, who's queen of Arendelle. And you we know, had King Arthur. Yeah. We Although, ha hopefully he's dead. Right. I know. But I'm just saying, like, we've, throughout the seven years, we've met many different rulers. Yes. That not all of them are dead. Yes. So. And I, I guess, yeah, I think it's probably like they get to rule their own little pocket of land and people. But Regina is the good queen of Storybrooke and she gets to oversee everything. 
Yeah, hopefully she doesn't, you know, suddenly think that she gets to rule Arendelle without Elsa's permission or something. (laughs) But speaking of that scene, we do finally see, at long last, Emma. In her red leather jacket. In her red leather jacket, wearing a dress that looked better in pictures (laughs) than it did on TV, I thought. Yes. It. Did you think it was hanging off of her like they couldn't find, like couldn't tailor it to actually fit her? I don't think they had the time. Okay. It it looks so, so pretty in pictures, and Jen looked great in the pictures that she and a couple other cast members were taking and uploading to Instagram. But actually on TV, I was like, oh, honey, you we, we need to take that in around the bus. <laughs> just, just, oh, honey. Um, but we do see Emma and Original Hook again, and they come in with um, their baby. Hope. Because what the audience needs is a hammer to the head to remind them that that's the major theme of the show. But I didn't like the baby's name. But you know what I loved? What? Hook had a little rubber, like, cork thing on the end (laughs) of his hook so he wouldn't hurt the baby. So he wouldn't hurt the baby, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. And the fact that it was bright pink and it stood out against his all black cracked me up. I... Love the fact that he's still in an all-black pirate's outfit. He's literally been domesticated, and he still full wears... Full-on guyliner, too. Yeah, full-on guyliner, black pirate clothes, because, you know, why change after 300 years? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes, you for the, the Captain Swan shippers out there, I'm sure that was a moment of excitement for you guys, and getting to see your ship, you know, with a baby, um, and the fact that they are obviously very blissful and happy. Yes. I. And, you know what, though? I really wish that there was a hook-nook scene. Like, maybe a glance oh, yeah. at each other, a, a what's up, n- nothing. Right. An acknowledgement that there are two of them. Did you also notice that even though they were mentioned as guest stars, like, we didn't see Geppetto. We didn't see... Well, you saw them, but they were in the background, like Geppetto yes. and Pinocchio. Like, I thought they would have had more of a presence in the So, episode. yeah... I did see Geppetto and Pinocchio in the background during, like, one of the big camera sweeps. I never saw Dr. Whale, though. Yeah. And and David Anders was listed as a guest star. I'm going to have to watch that last scene again to see if he, they, like, do one little close-up or sweep by. Yeah. But another moment that I really loved was Emma and Regina talking to each other, hugging each other, which I don't think has ever happened. You know, a lot of people have yeah. wanted an Emma-Regina hug for a really long time, and... I love the fact that it's Madame Mayor and Miss Swan, which, total season one. Yeah. You know, and it's said now in a joking manner and not in a we want to rip each other's hair out kind of way. Right. And, like, you'll always be the mayor. Yeah. Type thing. Like, I can't call you queen. You'll always be my mayor. Yeah. That was a really nice scene. I was glad that those two characters got to to interact because, you know, they're they're Henry's moms. And uh, I think... At the end of it, Once Upon a Time is really the story of those two women. Yes. So it was nice to to see them together again. Anything else about the coronation? I don't think so. Um, Regina's speech was really nice. It was a really nice acting moment for Lana. You know, she sells the heck out of everything she does. So I was really nice. It was a nice way to end any dialogue, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Because I loved, loved, loved how they brought you back to all your favorite familiar places one last time. Yeah. With the grannies and uh, Mr. Gold's shop, all that stuff just going yeah. through. And 
driving out of Storybrooke because they are in a land where you cannot go back. Yeah. Because you, you can't find it again. The last image of the entire series, you know, is the sign leaving Storybrooke, which felt right. You yes. know, it we left, but it's always there. We can always go back. Yeah. And that was just, yeah, that was a really, really nice ending. I'm glad that it didn't end. You know, a lot of people said the final shot should be a family shot or something. Um, and we saw that at the end of season six. But the show continued on another year, and it felt right that this time the final shot was the town yes. and, us, and us leaving it. Because that's where it all started. That's where it needed to end. Yeah. So final thoughts, because I've been through the whole episode now. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to talk about. Not about the episode in general. I think at this point, the question is really, how do we feel about the series as a whole? And, you know, seven years of watching, of podcasting, of talking about it on the forums, talking about it with each other. And we really did reach the end of this this road and this era. And just, you know, how do we feel about the show? Because it occupied so much of our lives. It did. It did. It did. I mean, like I I think I've said it before, like when this show started, I was not married. Yeah. I was still living in New Jersey. I've moved, I'm thinking now, like four or five times. I have a son. Like this is, it's been a long time that this show's been on. Yeah. Like you say seven years and yes, there's other shows that have been on longer, but you're like seven years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. We weren't passively watching. This isn't just a show that I turned on once a week, watched, turned off, and then forgot about. This is a show that has occupied some part of um, pretty much every single day of my life for seven years. And that could be everything from sitting down and watching it to recording something with you to, you know, staying up super late talking with people on the forums and and going through responses and getting the spoilers. And, you know, this hasn't been a not monumental thing. And now to have it not there is a very strange feeling. You know, my first thing in the morning is still going to, I still go to the forums in the morning, every single morning. It doesn't matter that maybe nobody's posted overnight or anything. It's still my instinct. I have to go there. This past Tuesday, it was suddenly very weird. I was like, wait, do I need to go record? Do I have spoilers? <laughs> it was like, nope, nope, that's over. That's over. Yeah, no, I think it's real. I think I know I have a different view of the show than some other people because it has been my life for. I think we. I've been doing the spoilers since season two. Yeah. So for me, that's been six years. And don't don't get me wrong. That first year, I watched every single episode. I was like, it was my life. It started off as my life because we would talk about it at work. My friends would go, oh my gosh, did you see this episode? I'm like, of course I saw the episode. So like, and then you get into these big, long discussions about it. So I think while, yes, there's some seasons that have been much better than others, as a whole, this show, I think, is really good. I'm really happy with it. I really like how it ended. Do I think it could have ended last season? Probably, but then we wouldn't have gotten to meet Nook and Alice and Robin. Mm, yeah. So, like, there's things from this season that I absolutely loved. And overall, this is one of my top shows. I, I, yeah. I don't really have, I can't really say anything else. Like, it's a part of my life. It will never not be a part of my life, even with the show being gone. 
Yeah, that that about sums it up. I have, I mean, I've always been, I think, a little bit more critical than some of our other podcasters. You know, a lot of the show changed for me when Neil died, and I've kind of had to realign my perspective on the show a couple times. I agree that we needed season seven. I actually, you know, in hindsight, liked season seven quite a bit more than some of the seasons prior. Like, mm-hmm. I would take season seven over season 5A any day. <laughs> because of characters like Nook and Alice and Robin, and, you know, I'm so glad we got to have them. I I, I don't, I mean, yeah, it's going to go down as maybe one of my all-time favorite shows, but kind of in that sense that I really acknowledge that it's not perfect, that it, yeah. it wasn't fantastic from start to finish. You know, for me, something like Lost, for me, was pretty much perfect from start to finish. Or Buffy, I think, is... Oh, my gosh. Don't give me Sarah and Buffy. I love right, that show. Is pretty much perfect <laughs> from start to finish. Once Upon a Time isn't, but I was also so heavily entrenched in the show, more so than I was for Lost or for Buffy, because things like Twitter and forums didn't really exist. How about podcasts? I mean, yeah. I was in high school when Buffy came out. Yep. Like, I was 16. Like, we were the same age. So, like... Cell phones did not exist. Right. I had a pager back then. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if the apocalypse happens, <laughs> beat me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our interaction with Once Upon a Time is so different than any other show that it it's always going to hold a very special place in my heart, even if I don't approve still of all the writing choices and things that they did, just because, you know... It, <laughs> How do you say goodbye to a show that has occupied so much of your time for so long? And so, yeah, I think it's a good show. When I recommend it to people, I do tell them that it has some diminishing returns and that you're going to come to the point where you're probably not going to like stuff every single year. But it's still a show I watch not because I felt like I had to because of the podcast, because of the forums, but ultimately because I loved it and I wanted to. And you wanted to, yes. So, like, even if I couldn't watch, I know we were talking about with it being on Friday nights, it was a lot harder to watch it live. But a lot of times, I never went more than 24 hours without turning it on. Yeah. Because I still wanted to see what was going to happen. Even though I knew all the spoilers, there's still those (laughs) little things they never told you. You're like, I have to watch it. Yeah. And like, ooh, what's going to happen next week? That's why I got into the spoilers, because I always wanted to know what was going to happen, what was going to happen. Yep, same. So so I think that's it. It is. I think we've we've gone through the episode. We've talked about the series. I think, you know, Hunter and I have, we've said our piece. Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening to us and putting up with us week after week and our wonderful, wonderful script reads. (laughs) That's really what we're going to be known for. I know, Down the right? road is our very dramatic readings <laughs> of Adam and Eddie's tiny little scripties. But I'm Hunter Hathaway. You can find me on Twitter at Traveling Pixie. And I'm Jacqueline. You can follow me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. That's it, oncers. Do, 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 do. do, do. do. <laughs>